Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Jackbox Games. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. Thanks, Jackbox. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, Comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is part three of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories episode featuring the theme Across America, Claire Friedman's final ep. I told you we'd be back with it. Uh, this night wrecked me live. I hope everyone listening remotely gets a sense of the love in the room. Uh, this time out, you'll hear from Claire, of course, plus her boyfriend Brad Einstein, longtime storyteller Shelby Mongan, and for the first time ever, not singing, Mr. Dwight Hassler. Uh, you'll also get music from Claire, Dwight, myself, and Brad, too. Uh, all right, friends, very important plug time. This Saturday, December 17th, is the Your Stories five-year anniversary show. Can you believe we've been doing it so long? I don't think that I can. Uh, so we'll be holing up in the hideout, one of Chicago's coolest music venues, at 7 p.m. for a night featuring some of ours and yours, favorite storytellers from the past five years of podcasting, plus, for the first time ever in Your Stories history, a full rock and roll band providing the music. We cannot wait. Uh, tickets are available now on the Hideout website, and we suggest you get them soon. It's going to be a really good time. And of course, thanks to our sponsors, Jackbox Games, through the Chicago Podcast Co-op, for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, the co-op is incredible, and it's a huge testament to Claire's positive impact on the Chicago podcasting community. Uh, New York is getting someone really special. Now, if you are ready, let's say goodbye. next speaker we have up tonight uh is someone who uh like like many of my friends i admired before i knew even what uh, a kind and good person he is um i'm gonna spoil it it's dwight because i want to say something specific uh dwight <laughs> dwight is coming up next uh two important things uh i i have um i don't have a lot of stage fright normally but i but i do when i'm singing i had a lot of stage fright and so the, the way i I tried to get over that is I would just pretend I was Dwight and I would just imitate what I thought Dwight would do. And that works really well. <laughs> and I recommend doing it for anybody that has to be on stage because he has such wonderful stage presence when he's singing. Um, we've been, we've been doing this show for a very long time. It's the five year anniversary next month, but, uh, you know, this, the show, that's like of the podcast. The show's been going longer than that. And Dwight's been a part of it for longer than that. Um, and he has never, ever once told a story. <laughs> and so I asked him to tonight, and he agreed. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Dwight Hassler! That actually helps. That helps. Thank you. Oh. Okay. I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, 
So, uh, like, it's the first time I've done this. Sorry if it's bad. Um, please stay my friend. Uh, one, one of the reasons I don't do this is because I don't like the sound of my own voice. Um, and um, I don't think I'm that interesting. Uh, but I think I have, like, one interesting story. And um, that's... Oh, okay, I'll try and tell that story. Okay. Uh, when I was young, um, younger-ish, uh, I, I had a really hard time making friends. Um, I moved around a lot, so it was tough uh, to, 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 like, settle and finally um, get into it. So uh, I, w- I was born in Seoul, South Korea. Um, I was adopted by two white folks in uh, Nebraska. Um, once they divorced, my mom eventually got in, uh, custody of me and my sister, and uh, she took us to a very small town in Missouri uh, uh, of about 800 people uh, called Lincoln, uh, Missouri. It, uh, it's about as small-minded as you are thinking about. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> we lived there until about my sixth grade, and uh, my mom eventually got uh, remarried to a pastor, and we moved up the road to a slightly bigger town, just as small-minded. Um, and uh, eventually, like I said, he's a pastor, so he had to go finish his Jesus training. And um, we, we, we moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, thank God it's a bigger city, relatively, you know, and it, I met the, a black person for the first time. And, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but I just that's where I knew, like, I, I need to live in bigger cities. I can't take these small towns anymore. But eventually, he uh, after a year, uh, we, he got the call to move uh, to be a pastor uh, about 40 minutes south of here in a t- town called Cedar Lake. Um, its nickname is Cedar Tucky, so I moved to another small town. That was great. Uh, I finished my eighth grade there, and I was asked not to come back because of some very stupid shit I did. And... Um, and then I went to, I uh, stayed in that town, but uh, I had to go to another high school about a half an hour away. It was a parochial school. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just been tough having to move every year and, and try and find, and try and make new friends. And it's always, it's difficult for everybody I know, but like, you know, it's part of my neuroses now. And um, so uh, my high school was, is, a, was about 80 kids from freshman to senior. Uh, we all knew each other, so uh, a kid about two grades ahead of me, his name's Anthony, um, we we hung out a lot because uh, he was into art and uh, I, I was into it as well, and he uh, we played magic together. Uh, <laughs> we he, he told me he's going to go to Columbia College Chicago for illustration, and uh, I was like, that's cool. My, my plan was to not go to college. I was going to try and work out of high school, like driving a truck or like a job with a drill or something. Um, and, uh, uh, but my mom was just like, no, you have to go to college. Like she insisted. And I'm like, great. And here I am living my nightmare deep in debt. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, not good at making friends. A couple months into college, uh, I moved up there, uh, to Chicago here actually. Um, and, uh, like several months in, like, I, I don't have any friends of the city, I hate my roommate. I'm sure he'd say the same thing about me. Uh, so I, I, I talked to one of my professors, and I'm like, can you maybe, like, I because I remembered, like, I'm going here uh, because uh, Anthony mentioned Columbia College Chicago, and I didn't have a plan, so I'll just go to that one. And uh, so I remembered that he, he hopefully still went there, and I, my professor said, yeah, I'll try and help you. I have a friend down at the records office. Uh he rightfully did not give us the information because that would be very bad. Um, and, uh, and I was just like, crap, some more time goes by. And, and I remember, like I said, 80 kids, small school. We had a school, school, uh, school directory. And uh, I look up his number. I call it. I'm like, come on, ring, ring, ring. And no, it's disconnected. Like, f- fantastic. But luckily, um, I remembered he his best friend in high school uh, uh, was named Charles. And um, I, his phone number was in that book. And I called him caught up a little bit. I'm like, do you have Anthony's phone number? He says, of course I do. So he gives it to me and I call Anthony. Uh, we catch up a little bit and um, eventually he's just like, you're still going to Columbia? I am. I'm like, oh, that's great. Fantastic. Um, 
I, I got a, an apartment off campus. He goes, I have an apartment off campus too. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I live in the, in Printer Square. He goes, I live in Printer Square. I'm like, what? Really? Oh man, I'm in the 780 building. He's like, I'm in the 780 building. I'm like, excuse me, dude, I'm on the 11th floor. He goes, I'm on the 11th floor. And I say, I'm in 1108. And he goes, I'm in 1109. <laughs> so we open up the door and like, sure enough, motherfucker lived next to me for months. Saw him, never ran into him, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know. But like that, since then, we've become like really good friends. Uh, I still talk to him this day. Uh, I made a lot of friends through him, and you know, I've been in the city for about like something like 13 years now. And, you know, my roots are dug in pretty good and uh, pretty well, and um, uh, I feel like I have an easier time uh, now that I'm stuck here, <laughs> making friends and, and meeting new people. So, so for the podcast audience, the entire time, <laughs> the entire time, Dwight was on stage. He was holding a piece of paper that, with a cat proudly displaying its little cartoon asshole, <laughs> and did not once reference it. <laughs> and it was drawn in Sharpie so you could see it through the back so we knew he was holding the front. We <laughs> didn't ever get it. <laughs> only before he did his monologue that he was bringing some notes for himself. <laughs> <laughs> talking about with uh where where chris encouraged me to go and then i stuck around and i met uh i met chris and and kevin and alex and and john and we and we talked and showed each other our worst high school pictures um (laughs) that very same night it was also the first your stories uh for someone who who has become a friend and a good person and and someone i'm so proud to know miss shelby mongan Uh, Okay, so I'm going to start this off uh, with a reminder of a platitude. Um, Frequently people say it is a bad idea to get a significant other's name tattooed on your body. Stick that one in the back of your brain. The first time I came to Chicago, I was in middle school. Um, I am from the East Coast, where everything is indeed disturbingly close together. Uh, My uncle... Uh, who my family's very, my mom and my uncle were very close, and my uncle had lived on Capitol Hill for a long time in Washington, D.C., but he had moved out to Chicago uh, for work. And when I came and visited, um, they had just recently had their first baby, my little cousin Charlie, um, and they were living in Lincoln Square right over the bookseller. Um, and I was a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, weird-as-hell little kid. I'm not joking. Check the archives. I've talked about it a lot. Um, and uh, so we went to their apartment in Chicago, and I got the opportunity to wander around the street a little bit. And for those of you, if you're familiar with Lincoln Square, you'll know that whole area. To, like a kid that came from a smaller town on the East Coast to see a bookstore with a cafe where these like really hip, interesting people were hanging out. And there was this cool record store down the street, um, which when I was really into my like terrible pop punk phase was like the Mecca. It was the coolest. Um, I've started falling in love. A couple years later, I came back to the city. I was in high school um, and my uncle, who was at the time working right off of Michigan Avenue, took me into work. So at 745 in the morning, he dropped me off at a Starbucks and he said, I will see you at five (laughs) and went to work. And I was elated. I went shopping. I walked around. I had lunch. I went to museums, which was like a weird thought when I was just a 
random 14, 15 year old wandering around. I went to a museum by myself. Um, I actually went and got uh, lottery tickets and saw uh, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee by myself in the middle of the day. Uh, great musical. Um, and that cemented my love. Chicago stopped just being like a place in the Midwest I had heard of or like the place where my uncle lived. It started to become the city with a capital C. I started to fall in love. A couple years later when I was looking at colleges, my mom had been in town visiting and they happened to drive through Lincoln Park um, and they spotted DePaul University. And my mom thought it seemed really cool. She saw this big church on campus. Um, uh, for those of you who don't know, I am Catholic. I studied Catholic studies. I have a master's degree in theology. That's a whole other weird story. Um, but she thought it looked really cool. And she looked around and it was like a city school and it was neat. And I've been looking at some other places, but as soon as she came back and kind of snuck a brochure under my door and we started talking about it, I knew I had to go there. Like, I, I prayed that the scholarships would be enough that I could afford to go to the school. And luckily it was. And I got into DePaul. Um, and the, there's something really remarkable about the way that you experience a place when you are a freshman in college because you don't have bills or like responsibilities or much of your time taken up by anything. Um, and so I have these remarkable memories of like walking to the lakeshore at one in the morning with friends and just staring at the city from out on the beach which I can't do now. That's irresponsible. I have to go to work in the morning. Um, I have amazing memories of going to festivals. My first day we went to a jazz festival and I was laying in Millennium Park, watching the sun set, seeing the colors of the sky change around the buildings, see the lights flickering on, signaling the change from day to night. And I was head over heels in love. I felt fizzy in the way that everyone in every romantic comedy does, that meet-cute moment. That was my meet-cute moment, that I knew I was in love. Um, and a lot has changed. Um, things have happened. Uh, I just grew up some, eh, marginally. Um, I grew up some, but there were times where things waned, but... I still loved the city. I actually took to referring to Chicago as my boyfriend um, when I was in college, which should signal how remarkably successful my love life was in college. Um, but I, I meant it authentically. I meant that this city had given me so much love and care and affection and had given so much to me. Um, and I really did feel like it was a relationship, like I was giving to the city and the city was giving to me. And things kept going forward. I started to see some of the less shiny parts of the city, but I, in the same way with any other relationship, things are real sparkly at first, and then you start to see some of the grime, but you still love them anyway. You still find ways around it. You still aim to clean up some of that grime if possible and help it out. Um, but, you know, things mellow as they did in relationships. And when I went to grad school, <clears throat> Um, I had to move. Uh, I moved for two years to Ohio, uh, which was a lovely experience. Suburbia, really cool. Neat rent prices, for example. <laughs> but uh, I, I was worried that when I left that the appeal of Chicago would be gone, that I would have grown out of it or that like we would have grown apart when we were in different places. Um, but I, I found that that wasn't true. I visited on a regular basis to visit my actual human boyfriend. Um, and... <laughs> Every single time that I drove up Lakeshore Drive and saw the lake and saw the city unfolding before me, um, there would be times where I'd turn off whatever podcast I was listening to and just roll down the windows and just drive in silence. Uh, and it still got me in the same way it did from the very beginning. Um, and I still feel that way today. Like, I know even more shit about how terrible the city is in some or some sections and there's a lot that's wrong with it but I still love it it's brought me this sort of thing it's brought me fucking people like Claire like it's an incredible thing and I cannot be more thankful for it um so to backtrack to my platitude from the beginning don't ever get significant others names tattooed on you unless you're relatively sure that you're going to date another John in the future don't do it um but when I was in college, I had a streak where that aforementioned lack of bills meant I got a lot of spontaneous tattoos. Um, 
And I got a Chicago tattoo because fucking, of course I did. I'm a white millennial Chicago living person. I got a Chicago tattoo. Um, and I have stars from the flag on my elbows. Um, and they are my single worst tattoo. They are terrible quality. They are patchy, ugly, and most people are confused as to what they are. Um, but I love them uh, a lot. <laughs> they are a reminder to me. Sometimes I forget that they're there and I think that they're spiders, but when I remember... <laughs> Uh, but when I know that they're there and I remember that they're there, um, they are a reminder for me of the joy of that feeling in that relationship and all of the things, everything that the last seven, Jesus, seven years of my life that I've lived in the city on and off, uh, they're a reminder of all that stuff. Um, and my future almost certainly doesn't hold like a forever in Chicago. Like there's a pretty good chance I'm not going to be here for the rest of my life. Um, but on the list of like, things and decisions that I've made and people or places that I've dated will split eventually Chicago and I will break up and it will be terrible. And I will listen to bad music and eat pizza and cry. Mm -hmm. But, um, this is a relationship that I will treasure and a tattoo of an ex's name that I will cherish, uh, forever. So thank you guys for being part of this fucking beautiful city that I am lucky enough to live in. I wouldn't know. It's we'll find out. Thank you so much, Shelby. It's been so many years. I can't believe it. Ugh. Um, okay. Uh, the next person um, coming up on stage uh, might honestly be... The, the person I've known for the least amount of time of anyone who's come out to talk. I, I think I even saw both of you perform uh, before I met this person. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, but he's, he's uh, the most important person in my life. Um, uh, next person is going to be Brad. Again, spoilers. Um, uh, <laughs> um, we've, we've known each other for three years this December. Um, and earlier, earlier today, we, uh, dragged the air mattress that we're currently sleeping on out to the living room and we're shooting a video that involved us, us lying in bed with Brad lying on top of me. And, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, he, he looked down at me and he was like, this is your ideal video shoot situation. You are laying down, covered in blankets, mm -hmm. next to me, with, like, no need to move because it'll wreck the shot. And I was like, you are precisely correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most true thing I've ever heard. And um, it was great. I was warm. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure the video will also be good, but I had a great day regardless. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's it's it's... That person who can who can look at me and and say things like that and and know me so well and I'm so happy that he gets to speak for you guys because um, I I get to share that love with you. Next up, Brad Einstein. Uh, if if Susie Persh listens to this, uh, that video shoot meant nothing. <laughs> Um, also, Steve, seriously, it's not a physical thing. It's just a communion of the souls. Uh, um, uh, I, I just wanted to add uh, off of one of MB's uh, points. We were talking about uh, who's, which Avengers dick you'd want to suck the most. The consensus is Chris, Chris Evans if... He's wearing the uh, like the whipped cream situation from Not Another Teen Movie. Um, so, hello everyone. Um, uh, hi everyone. Uh, my name's Brad. I'm the monster who's stealing your friend away. Uh, 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 but. Uh, it's been weird. I'm so happy 
that you picked this, and I'll, and I'll do my uh, best to be brief, but it's across America, and I've had such an um, amazing opportunity to go uh, across America from sea to shining sea two and a half times in, in one year via a plane and, and, and car and, and feet and, and a bike. And, uh, and it's so strange to fall so in love with a country in the same year. You fucking hate that country so much. <laughs> and, um, and I know everything that I'm about to say is going to be a bunch of Jack Kerouac, fuck this white dude who's in his 20s and going to discover the world. I get it, guys. My name is Brad. Just roll it in. Um, uh, but I, um, I... I, I truly have fallen in love with America. I have had such an opportunity starting in uh, January when Logan Dean at brunch on Sunday said, yeah, I'll drive to L.A. with you on Tuesday. Uh, and, 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 and the things I've had the opportunity to see in a, in a year from, from, ch- from chasing, from racing a blizzard to the Grand Canyon and winning to, to standing on top of a high desert called the fucking Rattlesnake Hills as a dust devil whips tumbleweeds around me trying not to breathe because there are fucking tumbleweeds everywhere, uh, to seeing a super bloom in, in death Valley for that one that hasn't happened in 15 years, which by the way, like a super bloom in Death Valley is just like fucking sp- like a shitty spring anywhere else. Um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> like, and, and, and so many unique situations that are also kind of like death. Like I got the, I had the beautiful opportunity of like capsizing a canoe in the boundary waters. I had an amazing opportunity of getting almost pushed off a road by a lumber truck, uh, off of a cliff by should add, like, uh, on a mountainside. It was spooky, ooky, but it was amazing. It was amazing. I got to pawn an engagement ring in Oklahoma City. And for everybody who's like, it wasn't for her. It was a long time ago. And I got a, a lot of gas money for that ring. Uh, the point is, America is beautiful, and uh, and no no place for me at least is more beautiful in America in America than American forests. And I'd like to fucking read a quote because this is a graduation speech. But this is uh, uh, from John Muir, and it's one of my favorite quotes. It's American forests, the glory of the world. Surveyed thus from east to west, from the north to the south, they are rich beyond thought, immortal, immeasurable, enough and to spare for every feeding, sheltering beast and bird, insect and son of Adam. And nobody need have cared had there been no pines in Norway, no cedars and deodors on Lebanon and the Himalayas, no vine-clad selvas in the basin of the Amazon. With such variety, harmony, and triumphant exuberance, even nature, it would seem, might have rested content with the forests of North America and planted no more. Like, fucking shit, yes! <laughs> right? Fuck yeah, you guys! <laughs> Fuck yeah! Do that, it is incredible! It is fucking incredible to hear the creaking of the spruce pines in fucking northern Michigan! Or to fucking see the face of God in the fucking basilicas of the earth that are the great sequoias. Or run at night in a fucking tunnel of rhododendrons in the Smoky Mountains. Then the lights are off and you fall and you crack your elbow, but it's fucking worth it because it's beautiful. And you can guess how many of those events I was on mushrooms for, but it doesn't matter. It was beautiful. (laughs) And it's, and it's gorgeous. And it's, and and it's gorgeous. Um, and, 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 and and I'm, I'm obsessed with forests and I'll bitch and moan a lot about forests. Um, I'll bitch and moan particularly about eastern forests because they got fucked up. We fucked them up. We fucked them up a whole lot. There's, uh, the, the, um, the eastern hemlock, which is, is often called the redwood of the east, which is a lot like saying someone is the Michael Jordan of B2B marketing. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, 
thing uh, because of something called uh, Hemlock Woody Edelgid, which is just like fucking eating it apart. It's dying. Uh, uh, that's because the last, uh, and it's called the Redwood of the East because the last Redwood of the East was the American chestnut. And the American chestnut has already gotten fucked up by the chestnut blight so that still on stumps you'll get a sapling this high and then it'll die. And then there's the Dutch Elms disease, of course, which ravaged elms and through Europe, through America. It was a huge epidemic, much like the AIDS epidemic, only the Reagans didn't deny it was happening. Uh, <laughs> and um, this year particularly... Um, Especially anybody, uh, we had some mental health people talking. Um, hey, if you ever want to walk in a forest, seriously, anybody, uh, it's the only thing that keeps my brain sane. Um, but, but I walk through forests, and I think about forests a lot. And uh, this is going to be a messy metaphor, because uh, forests are legit getting uh, fucked up by, like, invasive species. So let's, like, just deny that part of the metaphor I'm about to make. But um, there is a true majesty in our country. Um, uh, a true and, and beautiful and glorious diversity that we uh, that is truly poisoning the most beautiful parts of our country and um, and it is our duty to, um, to 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 fight that poison and um, to to make sure that that beauty and that majesty is here for our children to bask in um, I don't know I've been thinking about that a whole lot Um this week, and I hope uh, I'm going to try to do that. I hope you all try to do that. I didn't mean to bring it down. Um, I'm going to finish with a fun story about a gentleman who I, I kind of feel like as a um, in the Cascade Mountains. I was biking down. Uh, fuck me, fuck me for saying that. But in uh, in the foothills of the Cascades, I um, met a gentleman named David. I, I I was on a bike, and David was on a bike. Um, but David had a dog carrying case with him and um like uh on his mountain bike and he had about 50 pounds worth of gear on his back and then he had a um he had this case with him and it was and and, and he was biking into the cascade mountains away from the west coast and he's like hey man uh i was in the marines navy army coast guard national guard now i'm here and i'm like okay cool uh what's in that bag and he is like, uh, that's 70 pounds of broken scuba equipment. Uh, and, and I'm like, oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, uh, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just looking for a good, uh, I'm just, I'm just looking for like a good scuba shop someplace. And I'm like, dude, you're driving into a mountain range. There is not going to be a scuba shop there. And he's like, and I'm like, where are you headed? He's like, I'm heading to New Mexico. Uh, and I'm like, you're headed from New, from, dude, you're gonna go through Washington into a desert, just down straight desert into New Mexico. He's like, I'm gonna find a scuba shop. And, uh, I think about him a lot because I get really scared. Uh, Claire and I are moving. Uh, but he was one of the most beautiful people I met when I got to see America, uh, this year. And I felt like he had no idea what the fuck he was doing. And I felt like he probably didn't get to where he wanted to go. Uh, with the shit he wanted to go with, but, um, I, I really think that that guy had a hell of a story, and I hope, uh, that Claire and I have a hell of a story too, and I hope all of you have a hell of a story, and I hope it's not n normal, and I hope it's weird as fuck. Uh, so thank you guys very much. Uh, hey, yeah, 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 you can clap. Um, uh, I don't know if this is weird and indulgent, um, this is gr this is gross, but if it's okay with you guys, this is a music thing. Um, uh, a lot of this has been about leaving and stuff, and Claire and I had a really weird relationship for a long time where we'd date, and I'd be like, fuck, and run away. Um, and I, and uh, it took us a while to figure things out, and now she's leaving with me someplace. Um, and this is horrifically sappy, but I was wondering if... You guys would permit me to play a song that I wrote for her a long time ago, and I've never played in public, if that is okay with you guys. Thanks. Uh, imagine it on a real spooky piano, because uh, all I write is things on spooky pianos, but, like, it's so hard to move a spooky piano. Um, cool. Uh, this is sappy as fuck, but Claire is leaving. Um, uh, this is maybe for all of you to think I'm less of a monster. Um, uh, cool. Night.
I broke bread some morning with a girl I didn't know. Cause that's what I was, that's what I was, that's what I was supposed to do. And you know, we were both performing, though there wasn't any show. And for the record, you know that goes you. And you took me to a garden in the middle of the snow. Which isn't something I had, something I had never seen before. I said, the ground, it is so hard. How could anything here grow? You said, it's a conservatory, not a metaphor. <laughs> and I went down to Lima screaming, Morning girl, please just leave me alone. Not owning up to that, you wanted me to go. And then I returned a person spurting all sorts of assertions of the words that I learned worshipping a golden black-eyed crow. But I said, oh, hey, Miss Friedman, I said, if I cease my leaving, would you give me a reason, please, to never go? I had a cool piano thing, but it doesn't have a piano right here. So I broke bread some mornings with some girls I didn't love Cause that's what I was, that's what I was, that's what I was supposed to do But I would break down without warning with each and every one Cause none of them would, none of them would, none of them would ever become you And I know my failures abound and you are in Australia now But I just wanna tell you how I think you're my person And I said, oh, hey Miss Friedman I said, if I cease my leaving, would you give me a reason, please, to never name us Friedman? If I cease to leave, could I make you my home? I do my part to build a garden in the middle of the snow. And you might find that second term, it was a metaphor. So hey, Miss Freeman, won't you please believe I won't leave anymore? Won't leave anymore. Won't leave anymore. Guys, he's gone. I love that guy. He's the best. Uh, I got it. Okay. Um, the next, uh, the next speaker is me. Woohoo! Hi. Okay. Oh my god! It's uh, wow. Wow, what a show this has been. Uh, geez, Louise, I'm fine. Uh, um. <clears throat> okay, uh, story. The story I want to tell tonight is not so much a story as a series of vignettes. I told people that I was leaving to move to New York over various posts and emails, text messages, conversations in person when I could swing it. But the question I've been getting the most from people is... When did this happen? Why did this happen? This seems very sudden. Wow, you're gonna leave that quickly? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. That last one was a question from a robot. (laughs) So, the truth is, this has been in motion for a very long time. There have been some people I've talked to about that and some that I've just Let it be in the background to not worry about. So the first vignette is me on a coach bus with the National Art Honor Society, which I was vice president of. Um, While we were on a trip down to Chicago, it was the first time I went and I saw the horizon 
rise over the highway as we were coming down and it was the first time I had seen it and I felt like I had never seen anything quite like that before. The second is me in my bedroom in Minnesota trying to figure out what college to go to, not wanting to go to any of them and choosing Madison because it was in state and seemed fine for now. The next is me in my dorm room being so uncertain of my choice, finding my friends there, improvisers, learning about Chicago and comedy, meeting Eric Siegel and Steve Persh, the only two people I knew in Chicago when I moved here, and the two people who arguably got me every single friend I've made. Coming down here, laying on my dorm room floor thinking about how I didn't have any friends and how I had left this place to go after a dream I wasn't sure that I had and making myself get up and respond and go to every single Facebook event invited improv show <laughs> that someone I kind of knew had sent me because that was how I was going to make friends. God damn it. <laughs> going to midnight shows, getting to perform, getting to walk on stage at IO for the first time, taking a class at Second City, getting into conservatory there, getting to take a class on the main stage, being up there in front of everybody, coming to your stories. The email that Kevin sent me asking if I wanted to go to New York with the Nerdalogs. It's funny because at that point, I had decided I was going to be in Chicago. I had been there for a couple of years. I really liked it. I had been choosing when I transferred schools to go to either Chicago or New York, and I chose Chicago because New York is, you know. Yeah, street garbage. <laughs> no alleys. Don't know if you're aware. That's come up. Um, there was just something about Chicago that made me feel really loved. Mostly that the school I was transferring to kept sending me presents in the mail. <laughs> I loved it. It totally worked. Um, <laughs> they sent me a little moleskin with a heart on it for Valentine's Day. I hadn't accepted yet. And I was like, I, I'd been accepted, but I hadn't accepted that I was going there. And then they sent me a present that was that. And then they also sent me a present that was a big scholarship. So I took it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, they were equal is, is <laughs> in my eyes. Um, the moments that followed, though, were were ones of uncertainty. And as much as I love Chicago and the people I knew and the people I got to perform with and the people I loved, I saw so many people floundering and so many people leaving and so many people deciding to go on to different places that I said, I wonder if that's ever going to be me. And as I gradually, probably too slowly, realized that my career was not in some sort of new field of professional improvisation, um, I realized that there was a good chance that I would stay there for a long time. There were other points that shook that. Steve and I breaking up, for instance. That was the end of a potential life that I could have had. Me moving out of my apartment in Wicker Park that I had loved so much and lived for so long into a new place to, with new people in a new part of the city. But the moment that really shook that to the core the most was meeting Brad. I knew from the start, Brad was an actor, he had to leave the city. And I was like, ugh, am I going to date this one? And the answer was yes, I was. Multiple times. <laughs> um, and the moment I knew that I was out of Chicago was the moment he called me while I was in Australia and told me that he was in love with me. Nothing in that song was a metaphor. That was all just where we were. Um, I knew that we were leaving, and I started coming to terms with that. I had always, I had always thought of the idea of leaving somewhere very, very hard and very painful, so I started coming to terms with it. And earlier this year, Brad went to L.A. for two months for pilot season and spent time there. I spent two days out there, or uh, ten days out there with him to prepare for the move, and, and we came back really uncertain that that was the move that we wanted to make. So we spent a week in New York and we said, yeah, yeah, I think we can do this. 
that moment of certainty has been followed by so many moments of uncertainty. The move date was September 1st, October 1st, November 1st, and now it is December 1st. <laughs> so all the moments since then have felt really hard and uncertain. Um, moments where I had dinner with Brad's dad and he was like, why aren't you going to LA? And I was like, why aren't we? I don't know. And then I was like, Brad, why aren't we? And I was like, oh, now I feel better that I've gotten my feelings out. And he's like, now I feel bad and we're terrible. Um, <laughs> moments uh, like when I was walking to my fourth Herald audition um, after having never made it and not been cast out of a team out of I.O., Wondering why I was still doing it, I got a phone call um, from my dad saying that he had colon cancer. Um, and that day really clarified a lot of things. For instance, it was hilarious that I thought I was going to do a Herald audition. I uh, <laughs> did not go. Uh, so I hope someone got my slot. And um, it, it made a lot of things about that move really clear in that, one, it was not happening November 1st. That was too hard for me at that moment. And also that it was definitely happening the month after because we knew where he was and how well he was. We did not know where he's going to be a year from now. So I don't want to be in the middle of a move. So we needed to pull the trigger. We went out for a wedding um, and we chose to look at apartments and we found this beautiful unicorn of an apartment that's two floors and has a yard and is beautiful and has one and a half baths. I'm not going to do my hair and makeup on the carpet of my bedroom anymore. The one, the one and a half bath things is the thing that Brad latches onto is like an obscene luxury. <laughs> like, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited for it. Ah, we can both use the bathroom. I love it. Ah, I'm so happy about that. But, um, and we moved in and, and there was no... Finally, things were coming together and things were feeling good and we scheduled movers and we packed all of our things into boxes and we said, yeah, we're doing this. And we put all our things into boxes and Brad had some stuff in New York. So we said, let's go early in the month. And then I found out that I don't get to continue working at my job. And I said, that's fine. And I found out that I have the biggest project of my life and Thanksgiving a week before we're supposed to move. And I said, that's okay. And then with Brad had some stuff that was even a week earlier than we thought it was. So we were like, that's fine. We can move in three days. And we did it. And we got in our truck and we put the grill in and the organ and we left the piano because that was really expensive to move. And we uh, got everything in and we got in the truck and we started driving right across the country and we got to Ohio and it was 10 p.m. And the radio came on and it said, Donald Trump has won Ohio and New North Carolina because we decided to move on election day because we're idiots who make bad choices. And then knowing that we were idiots who make bad choices made everything spiral out of control. So as we were crying in a hotel room in Ohio, we thought long and hard about whether or not we wanted to make this move. All of our stuff was in the parking lot. Rent on the apartment was paid for. We decided to keep going. We couldn't get into New York that night because there were too many protests outside of Trump Tower. We expected that we wouldn't be able to get in on election night, of course, because the Hillary celebration would be in Brooklyn. Look what assholes we are. Yeah, I know, Dwight, or whoever made that sound. It was, it was me. Oh, it was Brad. Yeah, that was way more of a Brad thing to do than a Dwight thing to do. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, every, every part of every major move I've made in my life to this point has been just rife with uncertainty and anxiety and fear. And, you know, like some wise woman on this stage earlier tonight said, there's this song about how you just have to keep going 
and it, you keep rolling was it was me when I was talking about the song. Um, <laughs> and uh, and things are really scary and uncertain and terrifying, but I'm going to New York, and one of the things that I keep thinking about in this, um, I'm going to get very sappy, but uh, is is this show? And is is the Nerdalogs? I left the Nerdalogs over a year ago, um, but I, I wanted to keep doing this show because it was so important to me. And the fact that I get to still hear it every single week is going to make me feel like I'm home for an hour every Monday. And and the fact that there are so many people here that I know I can always come back to. And I think about all the people in Nerdalogs who moved away. Alex and Bill and Steve and John and Caitlin who are in New York and who I'm going to hang out with and force them to be my friend. <laughs> and Kevin Walsh, who is in L.A., who texted me about moving to L.A., who if we wind up there eventually, I will make be my friend. <laughs> and all of these people I know I have, I have forever. For the People in this room right now are my forever friends. Um, and... Like Maura said, Chicago will always be here and we will change, but Chicago will always be here. And I feel so impossibly, impossibly lucky that no matter how scary everything is, we've made such a wonderful home here. story <laughs> she sure did fill that time with words oh man ladies and gentlemen that was claire friedman you'll never see her again uh that's not true <laughs> okay the fun, uh uh elb and Maura can attest to this the first year that i that i left chicago uh left Madison for Chicago. I went back to Madison at least once a month. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was insufferable. I kept being like, hi, can I live with you while I avoid making new social contacts? <laughs> yes. Was the answer. Um, okay. I'm going to bring, uh, my, my beloved, uh, back on stage. Yeah. Oh, you mean Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Brad. Einstein! I did forget to mention my nemesis, Tommy Moranges, is of course here. I beat him at Boggle uh, a couple days ago, much like I do every time we play. <laughs> Got him! I get to keep the city. Do you, do you? <laughs> did you say I get to keep the city? Yeah. <laughs> this city is not yours to own. Where are my lyrics? All right, pause the show. Is that your? Um, uh, uh, I've never, I've never gotten to, uh, play music with Brad, and oh, I really boy. wanted to. <laughs> oh, so man. we're going to lower this just to, oh, just to scotch. Oh, Jesus Christ. Cool. do that. Um, and, uh, 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 this is a song that we both just really, um, love, so I wanted to, to play it, um, and it, it seemed very appropriate. <laughs>
on the bus Playing games with her faces She said the man in the gabardines who was a spy Thanks, baby. guitars and move them to New York. <laughs> so Brad had to find a spare guitar and learn that today, and then I've still made him do it, and he's very nice to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a night it's been! Uh, we're running late, I'm sorry, but I have great news that this is almost the end, and um, I'm going to bring up uh, the, the two best best dudes in the biz, uh, Eric Arno and Dwight Hassler! <laughs> That business is merging cover bands with uh, storytelling shows. Yeah. Yes, we are probably the best because we're probably the only ones. Uh, I'm going to say are something we... really quick. I know we this has been a long night. Thank you all for sticking around. But, you know, I get to bloviate a little bit because I've been making this podcast for five years. Um, Claire mentioned earlier that she left the Nerdalogs last year. And, you know, when she left, she pulled me aside and she said, hey, can I keep doing your stories? And selfishly, I was like, fuck yeah. So I think, even though that was very sad, and your, and your last show was very sad, I think like Chris and Kevin and everybody else felt that leaving a lot harder than I did. And now we're here, and uh, I mean, the loss on the show is immeasurable. Like, you have given your passion and, and your love and made this really special. Who's going to you... sing in the wrong key? <laughs> Who's going right. to forget words in the middle of a song right. when they're written in front of her? Dwight will still. Do you remember the first story that you ever told on this po- on the podcast? Oh, I, on the podcast. On the podcast. <sighs> I'm not sure I do. I listened to it today. It's um, very appropriate. So Claire's first story that was ever recorded, which is on the first episode of the podcast from December 2011, is about um, coaching her brother's speech team. And about how it's revisiting something that you used to love mm-hmm. and realizing you don't love it anymore. And looking back on the past and saying, oh, that was weird. I remember loving that and I don't. And, you know, how old are you now? 28? 27. 27. So 22-year-old Claire had the foresight to say, mm-hmm. you know, and I could see one day maybe that's comedy for me. Maybe I'll look back on the things I'm doing now and say, oh, that's weird. And that was smart. That was, you know, that's that's a good conclusion. But you didn't you didn't quite get all the way to where I want to take that, which is even though, you know, that's true for all of us, we'll all probably look back on nights like tonight and say, oh, that was weird. Even me. And I feel like I'm in this till I fucking die. But I'm sure that's not true. Even I will look back and say, why? You know, I can't believe I did this for so many years of my life. But the people that we meet when we do those things, it, like that never, that will never feel weird. There's so much value in the relationships that we build and the weird things that we do. And I'm so glad that I know you. Thanks, Eric. You know, the, 
the the last thing I'll say about that the uh, it's funny that that I I had no idea that that uh, it was the the first thing I talked about on the podcast was like speech being this thing and you making that point because the only the person I've known for the longest in this room I know through the Egan High School speech team <laughs> who's Tom Knight out there and. Uh, and so, man, what a beautiful metaphoric testament to, like, the people and the things you love become the people you love without the thing. Look at that. Yeah. Also, it's worth stating, only Matt Young has made me cry at your stories before tonight, so fuck you forever. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> what did Bef- you cry at? Oh, his dog story. No, why did you cry tonight? <laughs> you! Really? Yeah! Uh, yeah. Oh, jeez, I don't know, Claire. You can't yeah. This is the tenor I want from this event. Fuck you, Claire, you dummy. I love you. You're leaving. Get out. That's what I want. Right, we should probably do this song. So I guess can go so home. people can go home and sleep. That we love sense. you. Thank you for being we love here. You. One, two, three, four. All things go, all things go, drove to Chicago. All things know, all things know, we sold our clothes to the state. I don't mind, I don't mind, I made a lot of mistakes in my mind, in my mind. truck with everything I owned. We slept in parking lots. I don't mind. I don't mind. I was in love with the place. In my mind. In my mind. I made a lot of mistakes. In my mind. In my mind. You came to Go.
Your Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy Your Stories, you might also like making new friends. Each week, Pat invites new and old friends into a studio where anything can happen. Former guests include murderers, ghosts, milkmen, centaurs, and that nice fellow who lives down the street. For more information, go to peachesandhotsauce.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.